Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. On 9-11, our nation made a commitment to never forget. Since then, it's been the Tunnel to Towers Foundation honoring those words with action. So many people gave their lives while saving others on 9-11. Tunnel to Towers carries forward that legacy of courage and heroism by honoring our country's military and first responder heroes, people who are willing to die for you and me. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. And welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another brand new episode of the Hilo Sports Podcast. It's Kelsey and DJ back with you. We took a week off last week, but let's be honest, it was a much needed, much needed break in the, from the sports scene. We were getting in the playoffs. We had just had the draft, so we needed a little moment, but we're back and we're better than ever. And DJ, I'm so excited. We are already two games through most of these, these playoffs. We're finishing the last game twos here this week. And it has been an exciting NBA playoffs, to start, say the least. But all, in, all around the sports world, there's been news everywhere going on so far. Uh, what, do you, what do you think so far this last two weeks that we haven't been been recording? What, what's been – how you been doing this these last two weeks? It's definitely been a lot to digest, too. A whole lot to talk about, a whole short amount of time. You talked about basketball. We were on – Five games in three days. We got more games coming up. That's going to be busy. We're going to talk a lot about the NBA in just a little bit too, but it doesn't just start and end with basketball right now, believe it or not. No, not at all. And and that's just it, ladies and gentlemen. To get us started, we will lead off with our first segment brought to you by Fanatics.com, the leadoff. And if you guys haven't checked out Fanatics.com, please go and check it out now. You are in the NBA playoffs and a lot more sports getting ready. You're getting ready to the all-star break for baseball. Football, you're getting ready to 
get all these extra number changes. Matthew Judon just changed the number to number nine. So you got to go get a new Matthew Judon jersey if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan. Uh, but go do that. Fanatics.com. Link is in our bio. It is the place for your sports apparel. And now, to start us off, NFL. The reason I started with Matthew Judon is because NFL needs to be mentioned. And that is Julio Jones, a former number nine at Alabama, and now potentially out at Atlanta. And if things are to be believed on the uh, Skip and Shannon show, well, he's all the way out. Uh, whether he was recorded uh, knowingly or not, it doesn't really matter. DJ, what do you think about all that? Well, first of all, depending on how that was planned out, they had to have talked to it during a commercial break or something, because depending on consent states, that could end up being a problem. So like, oh, we're just going to presume everything's okay, and that was planned out, and Hulu's already been well told you're not coming back, so everything's fine and dandy. I'm just going to presume that that it wasn't as random as it looked, because otherwise, we'll see how that plays out, but I'm not going to get too much into that. The biggest thing, of course, to take away is the OG guy for as far as Alabama receivers coming into the league, the guy who really started in the recent years, Julio Jones, Potentially on the move, a guy that's been widely considered one of the top 15 receivers all time, arguably, and one of the top two or three since his first couple of years in the league. I mean, arguably a potential MVP candidate during during a year or two here or there. Guy who has 136 catches in a single season. A guy whose biggest knock is they don't throw him the ball enough. That's pretty much all you need to know, know about that. Which the biggest surprise to me is Atlanta drafts Kyle Pitts which basically says, we want to win right this moment. We are going to win now. Well, you don't win now by trading Julio Jones necessarily, depending on what you get back for. But so I don't know what's going on with Atlanta necessarily. If you have Matt Ryan, you have Kyle Pitts now, you have Calvin Ridley, who's probably going to get 175 targets next year. You though you keep Julio Jones. You keep that ridiculous offensive juggernaut because you're not going to be able to run the ball most likely. If you are, it's going to surprise the heck out of a lot of us. Your offensive line is probably not going to maul people. If it does, it's going to surprise the heck out of a lot of us. The biggest things you had is good luck, everybody else. We got firepower that very few can match. And you take a big hit when you get rid of Julio Jones. So my question is, what are the Falcons thinking and what can they get in return for him? Because I don't know if you're going to get a whole lot. As good as he is, he is in his 30s and that is a big contract. I, I just don't know. And he does have the in- recent injury too, his injury problems as well too. He seems to miss a couple games here and there a little more frequently. So can you get equal or redeemable value? I mean, they got a second from Hamid Sanu. You might only get a second for Julio Jones, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, you talk about those hamstring issues, cap issues lately. Um, it's kind of been a hit or miss between the two two injuries back and forth. It seems like every season there's one of them that flares up. Um, and yeah, you know, you talk about what they got for Sanu. You might be projecting the same range, and you might not have any choice. You have to take that second round pick because he's already come out and said, "Yeah, I, I'm out of there." Like literally saying it i'm 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 out of here i mean whether he's talking about going to the cowboys or not that's still doesn't sound good if you're a falcons fan not at all and that kind of brings us to the next thing is like where does julio go now basically and i feel like we have a pile of teams like every team will take him it's what can you offer and what can you get for him basically yeah no definitely you, you know you talk about what what teams can offer what teams can can get i look at the the oakland raiders sorry las vegas raiders as kind of a good landing spot for him at the end of the day they do have young pieces that really probably haven't quite filled out their way in in Las Vegas. Uh, maybe even Cleveland Farrell potentially going in return for Julio. And it's kind of a reach, but depends on how much they want a big time receiver in Oak or in Las Vegas to go with you know David Carr and and all the stuff they bring to the table there. And sure, Derek Carr would absolutely love that. Yeah. So you have that in Henry Ruggs, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Like there's a bombs away squad for you that's probably not stopping anybody. But good luck. 
yeah, I always get the Carr brothers messed up. This is they, you should never name your kids with same same starting same same first letter with the same last name. It just confuses everybody. Uh, but yeah, you're right, Derek Carr. I mean, he'd love that. He'd have an absolute blast. Josh Jacobs running the ball. That team would just. You talk about the Atlanta Falcons wanting to win now by drafting Kyle Pitts. That team would win now with bringing in Julio Jones. That Las Vegas Raiders team. It would actually compete potentially with that Kansas City Chiefs team offensively in the West. So that could be interesting. I think one obvious team too is everyone's correlating them to the Patriots. And I think the Patriots makes almost too much sense. It almost lines up a little bit too equally. They could just be like, all right, take our first. We're clearly trying to win now. We just spent $300 million in the offseason, basically. We draft our quarterback of the future in the first round. So we got five years of that. It makes a lot of sense for the Patriots to go do. That's like, I feel like that's the obvious front running choice. And I, it's hard to really pick another team that better matches, honestly, too. Cause I know Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, like, all right, that guy you just can't guard which means the things we could do with these tight ends and Nelson Aguilar and the running backs. All right. They can get really creative. And then you saw that big red button on the outside of, all right, Julio down there somewhere. He, he can go get it. I know there's talk with DeAndre Hopkins posts on Instagram. Like, Hey, Julio, remember we talked about a few years ago, trying to get him into Arizona and just basically have the greatest team of 2015 receiving core of 2015, all in one spot with him and AJ green as well, too. Like just going absolutely ridiculous. Another team that I think would be underratedly a good fit but they can't really trade for him would be the Chicago bears. Allen Robinson is possibly on the way out. He basically franchised him and he's reluctantly there. You have that young quarterback, Justin Fields. You, you drafted Tevin Jenkins to help with the offensive line. Your defense is old and kind of on the way out. Give that young quarterback an ins- unstoppable weapon, basically in Julio Jones. Then that moves Allen Robinson to your number two receiver. When you have guys like Darnell Mooney, who you could put in the slot too. young tight ends, David Montgomery, at running back Cordell Patterson, like, that gives when Justin Fields inevitably takes over the season, which I think we all expect him to take over at some point, even if they let Andy Dalton start, it's going to be the Justin Fields show by the end. What more could you really want if you're him too? I mean, I don't know what you have the trade next because you don't have your one next year and your draft picks are slim. Like you'd probably have to give up something big for it. And I don't know if you want to do that for the Bears, but I think that's a really good fit. And then the other NFC North team, the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers, there's a kerfuffle there. You're like, all right, Aaron, let's put this all behind us if we get you Julio Jones. And we'll pair him with Devonta Adams and good luck, everybody else. Then Aaron will be like, you know what? Okay, one more year. I, I mean, I don't like you guys, but I'll give you a one more year. Oh, I and mean, if, I'm sure he'd be like, I'll give you however many years Julio has. I'll give you those years. That's exactly. what I'm going to give you. And even if you can't get Aaron Rodgers somehow, like let's say that even that's not good enough to get him to come back, then Jordan Love gets Devonta Adams and, Jul- and Julio Jones. So you're throwing a quarterback that's, by all accounts, doesn't seem to be ready based on everything that's been coming out, who didn't even wasn't even active last year in a single game. Like, he did not suit up or bring a helmet with him. He was wearing a sweatshirt the whole time. Yeah. So you give him coming in, you give him Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, and all those guys. Those I think those two teams, I think, really make a whole lot of sense. And you can even throw in the Titans as well, too, a team that could use a little bit more firepower as well, considering we'll see about the defense. It was pretty bad last year, and we'll see what they could do offensively without Arthur Smith calling the play. So those are three teams I think lead the way, but the two NFC North teams I'd like to see make a play. Mostly the Packers. I feel like they're the ones that most likely could pull it off if they're willing to pull the trigger. Yeah, I'd love to see them maybe go to one of those NFC North teams you mentioned, but especially the Packers. That could be really fun for uh, Packers fans year-round to to sit there and talk about uh, time and time again, especially Aaron Rodgers, Julio Jones. That'd be a whole lot of fun. But also that Patriots one earlier, I just keep thinking about Cam Newton with a deep threat. I mean, how much fun would he have just being able to just use that rocket arm that he has, and he throws a great deep ball still in this career. It may not be the most accurate thing in the world, but it's still one of the top deep balls out there. To Julio Jones just to let him go up and get it, something he's never had in his career, not even going back to Florida, 
when he was a freshman in college, like he has never had a guy that can just go get it like what uh, Julio Jones can do it. He had a, one guy at Auburn and Darvin Adams who wasn't even that, like nowhere near that level of Julio. And that's the closest thing he's ever had in his career to a guy that can just go up and get anything. So that'd be very interesting to see him go to the Patriots and all the jokes aside about Bill Belichick bullying the Falcons to give him Julio Jones. Um, Bill Belichick's probably quietly bullying the Falcons to give him mm. Julio Jones at this point in time. Um, he's just he's just holding that Super Bowl ring that has twenty to three on and just scratch his chin like so. What are we talking about here, guys? What what are we thinking? Just basically yeah. taunting them right in their face. And you know, let's not forget that the uh, the young kid from the old Carolina Panthers play sixty commercials is uh, is backing up Cam Newton, just ready to become his mom's new favorite player in Mac Jones. And uh, so we're waiting on that to come back. And, and, and you've been and, waiting since draft day to break that one out, haven't you? You've been sitting on that one, waiting for any opportunity. Yeah, I was, I was I was scrolling through Twitter and one of the one of the tweets popped up on uh, uh, again today, and I was just like, yeah, I'm using that at some point in time. I can't wait to get that in. Uh, just, but no, just it, forcing it in there too. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But no, I mean, Mac Jones, Julio Jones would be would be a great combo combo as well. Um, I don't think Jared Stidham will ever break in that lineup. So those, I mean, Cam Newton, Mac Jones. If you're Julio, you're like, all right, cool, sign me up for that. In that offense too. Uh, yeah, you 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 thrive. It'd be like Randy Moss when he went there. So. You know, how the last few years have gone, though, he's going to somehow end up in Tampa Bay, too, just the way the last 18 months have gone. So because everyone goes to Tampa Bay now. So or L.A. somehow you're just like, wait, how do you end up with the Rams? What? Yeah, just like somehow it's like, oh, you can afford that somehow. Okay, that salary cap does not apply here. Moving on. Exactly. But that does us for the leadoff, obviously, with Julio Jones. We could probably talk about this one for and speculate about it for forever. But we have a lot of NBA playoffs to get to, which brings us to the main event. To, brought to you by Dr. Squatch. And DJ, why, why don't you tell us a little bit about Dr. Squatch? It's pretty quick. It's pretty simple. Smell like a man, feel like a champion. All the all the needed soap necessities without all the harsh chemicals on your skin. They also have a line of deodorant. They got Alpine, they got Alpine, they got baby rum, they got clear mist, like everything you need, whether it's going out with the boys, hanging out with the lady, or you just don't want to smell like butt after the gym. You have options galore. So definitely check the link, find Dr. Squatch, pick any of your grooming needs, to be to basically be the man that you can be exactly so be sure to check that out that link is also in our link tree in our bio um and you know as i talked about nba playoffs are here it's been this exciting one game twos are finishing up as literally as we record this so when this comes out on thursday it'll all be game threes and beyond uh looking at the series so far right now memphis and utah are currently still playing however utah's out to a big lead so that's probably going to finish that in utah's favor uh the hawks Knicks series that one is a very exciting series tied at one one Wizards right now, they're struggling against the Sixers, down 2 nothing in that series. Dallas surprises the Clippers, two, uh, up up 2-0 on the Clippers. I don't know how much of the surprise that one is, that 4-5 matchup, but some people might consider it a surprise. Lakers-Suns currently split at ones. Uh, Brooklyn just dominating the Celtics right now, 2-0. The Heat-Bucks, the Bucks right now, after a big win in Game 2, up 2 nothing in that series. And the Trailblazers Nuggets splitting a, a pair of piece also one one. So DJ, which one of these series right now do you have as the most surprising of all of them? It has to be the Mavericks and the Clippers because the Clippers were a lot of people's favorites to get to the finals, if not one that they were like, oh, they're they're the team to look out for. Like they were looking at betting odds to come out of the West, they were the favorite. And to win the whole thing, they were like second to the Nets, basically. They were they've been that team since Kawhi and PG teamed up. They have not really lived up to it. And being down, not only being down 0-2 to the Mavericks, getting absolutely cooked by Luka in both games. I know he's had his struggles, like his free throw line in game two was terrible. And then in game one, he whiz, he'd whittled down down the stretch a little bit. He lost some steam, but 
35 or so points in the first game, 39 in the second one, triple-double in the first game. He's only, all of his playoff games are against the Clippers with the games, the six games last year and the two games this year now. He's averaging like 35, 8, and 9 or something ridiculous like that. When you have the two quote-unquote best wing defenders in the game with Kawhi and PG, the guys who were considered like the best two-way star duo in years, maybe since LeBron and Wade back in the day, something along those lines, and they, they can't stop him. That he is literally getting whatever he wants. And even if they stop him from shooting, he is dishing the rock out in their reigning threes in a, not even in their own home court either. They've made staple it is they're the Dallas Mavericks owners of Staples Center right now. They are the team playing the best in Staples Center in this playoff so far. It's not even really close either. So that one's the most surprising to me because the Clippers were supposed to be an elite title contender and through two games that has not been the case. Paul George has been a little rough. Kawhi's been explosive and then he's gone. And then nobody else has picked up a slap play. Slack. Patrick Beverly is a liability on offense. Morris is a liability on offense at this point. Like, you might as well just play Serge Ibaka because when he plays, he, he at least has a good plus minus. So he's in the positive, if I'm not mistaken, when he plays. So at this point, I think Ty Lue's got to do some lineup rearranging and really hope the Mavericks go cold because they're not normally a three point shooting team. This is kind of an anomaly. They're in like that 18 to 23 ish range, if I'm not mistaken, from three. So he's going to have to hope that they find a way to contain. Luka Doncic slash the new Larry Bird or whatever they're calling him now because they got to stop letting him do that to them. Yeah, you know, there's a funny story going around about Luka and the reason why he's performing so well against the Clippers. I don't know how much truth is in, but, you know, it's one of those things just falling down a Twitter rabbit hole when you're watching Luka highlights that just ends up popping up in the comments and you just makes you laugh. So he was asked why he plays so well against the Clippers, and he said, I used to date this girl. She was a hairstylist. So every time I hear the, the term Clippers, I think of her. Well, she cheated on me. So I want to pay. I, w- I want to deliver my payback every time I play the Clippers, and that's why he plays so well against them. Whether that's true or not, absolutely hilarious commentary. Whoever came up with that, congratulations to you uh, for just making everybody laugh for a moment. Uh, but you're exactly right. What Luke is able to do in- against the Clippers right now. I mean, math fans for life just needs to be put on, on painted right on the court in the center of Staples Center right now. And no matter who's playing, whether it's the Lakers or the Clippers, because it's it is literally a Maver- it is Mavericks territory right now for sure. Uh, but but for me, I'm looking at this the split series right now in the Knicks and Hawks, and I'm just like I'm in awe watching every one of these games because they're so exciting. That's a seven game series about to happen. Basically, there is I can't see it not going seven at this point. Yeah, exactly. I, I literally just first of all, basketball playoff basketball deserves to have fans. The Garden deserves to host fans for playoffs, and getting both of them back at the same time and watching the Garden absolutely just boo and cheer every single moment where somebody even takes a breath on the ball it's absolutely fantastic i love basketball in in the garden and and you know talk about some of the greatest atmospheres and and i'm sure i'll have this conversation a little bit later um but it i i don't know i can't think of a better place to like when i think of basketball playoff basketball to happen i can't think of a better place than it to happen in the garden with new york actually being competitive in their their check and check right now uh, as as it's now a one one series, and, and they had a great great again great game again tonight. And you know that first game one, I mean, talk about an absolute barn burner in game one. That was absolutely exciting to watch every single moment of that game. So it took Trey Young heroics to basically get out of the garden and get away with it. Then in the second game, it was really close as well too. The biggest issue I've seen is Julius Randle. Where are you at, my friend? You yeah. are the most improved player of the year. You just got awarded, and he's had a miserable start to this series. He has been. I don't want to say MIA because we see him. We just don't like what we are seeing is the problem. He is, he's looked worse than even Lakers Julius Randle that got ousted that didn't get a fair chance. So I hope he could turn around for the sake of this series because 
He has turned his career around quick, fast, and in a hurry. He's been a top five player in the Eastern Conference for pretty much the whole year. But it does not look that way through two games. Yeah, I mean, game two, he had a, it definitely was an improved game over game one, but it still wasn't most improved player Julius Randle we've seen all season for sure. And, That's more and, of an indictment on the first game than it is a compliment on the second one, too. <laughs> yeah, the first game was just, was it two of 20, something along those lines, two of 24, some ridiculous shooting performance like that. And you're just like, what what happened tonight? Uh, game two was a little bit better. And, and, you know, obviously he performed down the stretch, which is where you need him to perform, but you, you also need him early on in that game. And uh, uh, funniest takeaway I have from this game, though, is is after the game, the net, the Knicks winning their first playoff game in, what, seven years, I believe? 2013 14, I believe. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so almost eight years at this point in time, or basically eight, or yeah, just about eight years. Uh, their, their fans were walking out of MSG chanting, We want the Nets. Hmm. Um, so maybe getting a little too far ahead of yourself, Knicks fans, but you know what? I respect the love you have for your Knicks, and it's, it, was, it was an absolutely fun series. But, uh, but looking at some of these other series, DJ, what are the, what are the ones that you, you see catching your eye right now? Obviously, we just talked about the Knicks Hawks potentially going seven. Uh, that's a seven-game series in the making. Basically, take heroics to not be. What are some of the other ones looking at that are that that you have like intrigued circled on your on your calendar that like these are going to be ones to watch. So we're going to boogie on over to the Western Conference to where I think they will have a seven-game series, and that is the Blazers and the Nuggets. I think that one has seven games written all over it as well too, because the first game you have Jokic and Damian Lillard talk about a clash of titans the whole time. Damian with what was it forty and ten. 30, yeah. 35 and 10, something like that. Jokic with 34 and 14. Absolute clash. It took Dame scoring basically, I think it was 15 points in the third quarter and another eight down the stretch in the fourth to pull away. That series is going to be explosive. It's going to be electric. I can't wait to see that one play out. I think, too, the question is who could play, who's going to play better defense in that one? Because they both, they both can get their shots just about at any point. The question is who's going to get the stops when they need it. And then back to the East as well, too. The Heat and the Bucks, that for a 2-0 series, I don't think you can get a more competitive two-to-nothing series. I know the second game was the complete the Bucks completely stomped them, but how that first game went with Jimmy Butler's heroics at the end, now they were just getting a shot to fall basically away from winning. And it's the Miami Heat too. Like we saw last year what they're made of the little gang. They got the gangster inside them. They're not going out like that. We'll see game three, I think, especially in Miami. They're this has a weird feeling it's gonna be two two by the time we record our next episode, if not three to two. Yeah, I mean, this one might. I I don't foresee the shooting woes that are that are plaguing the uh, the Heat right now to continue when they head home, because right now it is not fun for the Miami Heat shooting and and especially shooting threes. You talk about game one, if it's not for Duncan Robinson, their three point shooting looks god awful uh, statistically. I mean, Duncan Robinson still didn't have a great game, but he was their best three point shooter by a a whole fathom or league or whatever whatever the furthest a light year i mean like whatever the furthest thing of, of distance you can fo- possibly come up with in your head that's that's how far ahead he was as the best shooter for that heat team and game two was just all around bad for the heat and and the bucks could not miss um at all not at all too the bucks when they get going once they could crack that wall to stop Giannis, basically it's pretty much over once you give Giannis an inch he will take a mile and it's good to see that elbow injury doesn't seem to be affecting him too much either as well too and if they could clean up the free throws, the Bucks could be scary too because we saw what they're able to do when they shot 20% from three and like 30% from the field in game one or whatever it was. Or actually field goal percentage was high, but it's like 50% from the free throw line and 20% from three. They still managed to win. Yeah. Out of all that, thanks to Chris Middleton at the end. So they could be a scary team if they could figure out how to, you know, use utilize the charity stripe as the charity stripe it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they could make the free, throw, free throws, which they did in game two, but game one, yeah. 
That was a yeah. If that's if that's just kind of like an outlier, they'll be fine. If that's the norm, they could be in trouble. And then of course, too, the Lakers and the Suns. I mean, it'd be hard pressed not to talk about that series because the Suns take Game One. Devin Booker goes ballistic, but Chris Paul gets hurt. Game Two, you can see he is still hurt. He's basically playing with one and a half arms. And you see Anthony Davis and the Lakers down the stretch able to take over. Devin Booker's not able to get as much free space. Is the Chris Paul injury going to decide this series? Because as weird as it feels, and I hate that I say this because I heard it, it's like this series basically had who gets hurt first is going to lose written all over between Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, even Deion, just guys like that too. DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker still really young. LeBron's not 100%. Drummond's been injured like, there's too much who gets hurt first, basically. Who gets the first major injury, and it looks like it's going to be the Sun. So that might favor Lakers. We will see. It's only it's one apiece, and they've been good games for the most part. I mean, the Suns kind of ran away with it later on in the first game, but both teams are weirdly evenly matched for a 2-7 setup, too. So I think this will be very interesting. And we have to see if the Lakers can actually utilize that size they have with guys like Drummond, Anthony Davis, LeBron all on the court at the same time, actually, and just keeping that, using the size, because it feels like they start Drummond and then, in like two minutes, they take him off and Anthony Davis is playing like hybrid weird center. Basically they don't, they haven't been able to quite work out that giant front line. And maybe if they can get to work out in this series, it'll definitely make things a lot more interesting going forward. Yeah. 100%. And you know, that, 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 that series is, is very exciting. That's one of mine to highlight for sure, because you look at that and, and you mentioned that Chris Paul injury, that's a huge part of it. Like if Chris Paul can be healthy for the rest of the series, because you see, you see, as you mentioned game two, he was just basically playing with one and a half arms. Every time he'd go to dribble with that right arm, it was like his shoulder would not function for him. So he had to go purely left-handed, which, by the way, is Chris Paul's weak hand. And if I didn't tell you that, you probably wouldn't have never noticed that he's playing with his weak hand because he's that good ambidextrous. But it takes away literally half of the court from him because he's one of those guys that's like when you watch a football player switch their switch the hand that they're carrying the ball and as they get to the sideline, he's the same way when he drives. He drives left, the ball's in his left hand. He drives right, the ball's in his right hand. And he, now he really can't drive right because he can't control that ball. Uh, he can't keep it away from the defender, and, and it, it takes a lot away from him. But right now, this other series that I'm watching, this Memphis-Utah game, this Memphis-Utah series is absolutely uh, exciting to watch. I mean, currently they're still playing right now, and it's a 13-point game going into the fourth. And they're, they're about to cross 140 points scored for one of the teams. Um, and this is don't, – don't forget, Memphis took the first game in this series without Donovan Mitchell playing for Utah. So this could potentially be a 1-1 series or maybe a 2-0 series if Memphis can get a, get a comeback by the end of this game. But we'll see how that turns out. But, I, I mean, I'm just looking at this. This Memphis team, youngest team in the playoffs by a, a long, long ways. And they are growing up before our eyes right now. It is so fun to watch this this young Grizzlies team. John Morant's basically showing, hey, guys, remember when I told you I was a point god? Well, Surprise, I wasn't actually lying. I know what I was talking about. I might have next as far as that next elite point guard. I compare him weirdly enough to a young Derrick Rose before the injuries, the way he can explode, control the game, that sort of thing. And he looks a lot like it. he's pouring in 40-plus already to, uh, right tonight, and it's going to continue to grow as well. We saw what he did against the Warriors to get into the playoffs. We saw what he did in game one. Like John Moran's a budding superstar, and he's showing like as good as Zion has been, so far John Moran has been the player in that draft. He has been that dude, and... I know everyone like Zion's obviously great and not take away anything away from, but what John Moran is doing with Memphis, a team that noticeably has less talent than the Pelicans too, and how he's dragging them and how he's strapping that team on his back, tying his hair back and going straight forward and, and potentially in position to be up two to nothing, if not tied one to one with the number one seed in the West. John Moran's that dude. And he, in a within a couple of years, he's going to be that number one point guard in the game. I have no doubts about it. 
Yeah, I mean, he's absolutely fantastic. Also, you can't forget Dylan Brooks, 31 points in game one to help them lead that game one game one win. And he's slowly becoming a, a two-guard to be careful of. I mean, it almost reminds me of early Golden State with Steph Curry. Obviously, he'd been there for a couple of years, but Clay Thompson kind of springing onto the scene for for Golden State where he was kind of looked at as, oh, well, he's a defensive player. And the next thing you know, he puts up 40. And you're like, oh, wait, what? What? Clay Thompson just just did that. And you're like, yeah, that, that's Clay Thompson. And and it, it's kind of the same way. They And when them having a big guy like Jonas Valanciunas, is, I, I kind of correlated a lot to Andrew Bogut when he was at Golden State, where it's a guy who's an offensive big guy. Play, he plays a little bit of defense. He's gotten better defensively as he as he, as he gotten older, but his efficiency down low is the big part on the offensive end. And and you see it. I mean, he's posting almost double doubles nightly for for the Grizzlies and helping him out down low with that defense. So they have a lot of pieces here for the Grizzlies that are kind of just we're watching grow up before their eyes. To me, I still look at Jaron Jackson being the key to this series. If Jaron Jackson can perform for the Grizzlies, they actually have a really good chance of getting out of getting out of this one. But if they can walk out of Utah in the first two games with a two nothing lead, or even just keep it at one one, even if they lose game two, you know what? That's a that's a that's a win for the Memphis Grizzlies at this point in time. Especially considering how competitive, even if you do lose game two, how competitive it's been too. Like that's what more could you want at that point as well too. But although for all these great games we've talked about, there's been a couple <laughs> series that have been a uh, let's say not so great. I guess I mean I know the first game with the Wizards and the Sixers was pretty decent, but the second one not so much and the. 76ers, the number one seed in the East. They have a pretty comfortable two to nothing lead, led by their giant front line with Joel Embiid, Dwight Howard, Tobias Harris in the squad, and then Ben Simmons as well, a potential defensive player of the year. Yeah, that that Sixers team. I don't think anybody wants to play that Sixers team at all right now. I mean, you look at them and they're just <laughs> I don't know how to describe how overpowering they are to this Washington Wizards front line. But I mean, it's, it's, it's like watching professionals play call or play high school athletes really is what it looks like. Just how strong, how fast, how dynamic all of the Sixers big men are. I mean, look, you look at Joel Embiid, he's, t- he's catching the ball at the three point line, Euro stepping through two defenders who are smaller, more agile, and then dunking it over a big guy. Like what? That's, that's, uh, this is what has him in the, in, in the MVP race this year. I don't think he still don't think he wins it, but you know what? This is what had him in the MVP race, and and that's something that like you just can't teach is what he's in. and Ben Simmons also looks really good too right now in the playoffs. Series. He's he's starting to get a little bit of not necessarily mid range jump shot, but like an elongated floater to add to his game, so it's not just like power your way to the rim and dish it out or power your way and dunk it. He's starting to diversify his game a little bit, which I think is only going to help him as he get as he continues to grow, just expanding from basically the restricted area. Just get out. He's got to work on free throws as well, too. Like game one, he was a liability. Yeah. And he that the free throws are a problem. He is going to have to work on. Same with Giannis and, and LeBron. And surprisingly, a lot of these new players, it seems like the free throw line seems like the bigger guys are starting to get worse at free throws as the smaller guys get better. It's kind of interesting to see. Yeah. And then of course, too, we talked we talked about Joel Embiid in that MVP conversation, too. It's not out of line to say he might actually be offensively a little better than Jokic as far as scoring the basketball goes. I know Jokic has that rainbow jump shot that seems to be money sometimes, but I think down low in the paint, you can make a case Joel Embiid's a little bit of a better post score, a little bit better. It's like tomato, tomato, because they both do everything so well. It's like really hard to pick. I think Jokic has a little bit better shooting touch, but I think Joel Embiid's post moves and his ability to score out of the paint is a, is a little more diverse, not a whole lot, just a little bit more. Also partially because he's longer, he's bigger, and I think a little more athletic. So he doesn't have to necessarily do the rainbow shot. Like, 
six and one and half a dozen the other. We're not arguing about the MVP. So any Denver can hold back. We're not talking any about that. Jokic is clearly the MVP. He's a thousand times better of a playmaker. Yoel is a little bit better of a defensive player. It's tomato tomato. We're talking about how close and how good both these guys are and why they were the two leaders in PR. And if Joel doesn't get hurt, I think the MVP race might even be a little bit closer even too. Yeah. And if you talk about Joel Embiid, I do, I do agree with you. I think he's a much better post scorer. Um, and, and Jokic is a much better outside shooter. Uh, that touch on his shot is, is very, very much a shooter's touch. Joel Embiid is kind of like, it's, it's like an almost unnatural sometimes with the way he shoots. Especially um, from three. I think, I think his mid range has gotten good. Like the block extended, but from three, it looks like it's just like, well, I'm tall and I can just kind of throw it in. Exactly. Yeah. Even though he I, throws it in a pretty good clip for a seven, three, seven, two guy. And, and I will say though, the one thing Jokic has an advantage on down low is his passing out of the block. Uh, when, he gets, when he gets down, obviously we talk about the Joker and, and he pretty much averages a triple double at this point in time this season. Uh, and, and, you know, his, his passing is just that fantastic. Joel Embiid, that's one one aspect to his game he doesn't really have, but he doesn't need to have it because he's such a efficient scorer down on the block. He doesn't have to pass out of the block situations because he didn't get doesn't self doesn't get himself in bad situations on the block, you know. Um, and that's that's a big part of his game that that is very uh, very underrated. And you, know, you talk about Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris, talk about second third man really for this Sixers team. He's he's looked pretty good too, and and obviously statistically wise. Not always there statistically, statistically wise, game in and game out. But you know what? What he brings to this team and just everything else, like we talk about hustle plays and stats like that. That's what he brings to this team, and he's. I think he's absolutely fantastic with it. And uh, if I'm the Wizards right now, I'm not in. I'm not enjoying where I'm at playing this Sixers team. I, I don't. I don't. At that point in time, I'm like, was the seven seed really worth this? I got. I mean, really, I, I'm. I'm slightly not. Not happy. It's like, yeah, can we go home now, actually? Especially with Russ hurt now, too, as well. Like, it's not pretty for them, though. Right now, it's maybe they can make a comeback and make it more of a series. I mean, with Bradley Bill, you always have a chance because he can give you a 50 and a quarter any given moment, but it, it's going to be rough sledding. And then another series that hasn't been as competitive as we had hoped so far was the Celtics and the Nets. Celtics were a team everyone thought was going to be top three or four in the East coming into the year. Brad Stevens, all the wing players, they, all the young guys, Kemba Walker coming in. It has not been the case at all. It really is not. They have faltered bad down the stretch. Jalen Brown going down has hurt them. Kemba Walker's injuries, and he's been wildly ineffective for a lot of the season. Bit Tristan Thompson's all right. Robert Williams and Jason Tatum. That seems to be the bright spot. Robert Williams, the ultimate PR, just effective, almost triple double in game one guy. And Jason triple Tatum double with blocks, by the way. By the way, yeah, just in case. And that was this. And then Jason Tatum, he could get you 50, but then he can get you like 20 on 25 shots, basically. Like it's it's hard with Jason. He's still a young kid. And then the way he plays it's for better and for worse for them. They it's basically all Jason Tatum isolation. And if he's feeling it, it, you have a chance, but if he's not feeling it, you have no other options right now. And the nets, they look like a well-oiled machine. James Harden has step turned into the point guard. Kyrie Irving's just a bucket. Kevin Durant's a bucket. Like when, even when he shot miserably in the first from three in the first game, he still got you 40 almost. I mean, yeah. his help side defense, I, the nets are well a machine. And the only teams I can see even giving them problems would honestly probably be the Bucks, maybe the Sixers, but I don't know if they have the, I don't know if they have the wing defenders besides Ben Simmons, who's probably gonna have to guard Kevin Durant. I don't know who else is gonna guard with KD and those guys either. Yeah, no, there's there's so many question marks about who could guard with the Nets, and they're a dirty team. They are a extremely, and, and we talked about this when we did the color cast game for the Nets. You know, the one question was gonna be how does James Harden translate? Like, does he translate in the playoffs the same way he has in the regular season? The eight games they had played up until this point together. The answer is yes. 
The the answer is wholeheartedly. He translates exactly how we could have hoped. Uh, plays a little bit more defense than you'd expect from him. Passes the ball so unselfishly, it's fantastic, and and doesn't force the option from the three point land throughout the game. Like you, you saw a little bit in game one, he was still trying to fill out his his rhythm with everybody. Maybe he went a little ISO too many times, but game two, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, no, that James Harden, if he comes to play for every game in this entire playoffs, I don't see a reason why the Nets could not make a deep, deep run potentially to the finals. I, I, do, I just don't know who else can match up with them in the East besides the Bucks. Honestly, I'm just looking down the line. I'm like, all right, so the Bucks. I think it, that's a that's a seven game series potentially if Giannis shows up and makes free throws. Basically, like that's an interesting series because I don't know who else on the Nets is going to guard Giannis. Blake Griffin, he's nice, but I mean, good luck staying in front of Giannis and good luck basically. And yeah. oh, by the way, Brooke Lopez and the rest of that squad as well. Look at the 76ers; they might be able to. I just have concerns on their wing defenders if Kyrie or James Harden starts to field themselves. No one's going to stop them when they're feeling themselves, but who's going to stop them from getting to that point? I, I just don't know with them. Yeah, I mean, the Heat maybe, but I, the Heat got to get through the Bucks first, and that's looking like that's look like a handful of itself. I mean, I don't know who else in the East could really match up with them. Honestly, I really don't. I think I think you meant you hit the nail on the head though. I think it, the, the the only team that could is the Bucks or the Heat, and the fact is they play each other, so <laughs> it's going to be that winner is going to have to make their way to the conference finals to be able to take on this Nets team and. I think that's the only chance you have of beating us now, just so everybody's aware. It is now a 1-1 series in the Memphis-Utah series. This does end 141-129. Utah just set a franchise record for points scored in a game, in a playoff game, by the way. So, Quinn Snyder, uh, potential coach of the year, doing some fantastic things out there in Utah. Probably would have probably would have a better chance if he played Donovan Mitchell in game one, like Donovan Mitchell wanted to. I mean, you can see as soon as he comes in, you drop 141, and Donovan Mitchell even said, I was ready to go game one. is a late scratch, so... And that's a very interesting thing, too. I just want to take a moment to talk about that. Like, he has his own medical team, and they were like, yeah, I mean, if he says he's good right now, there's no medical reason why we shouldn't. And the Jazz kind of looking at it like, this is our franchise player, and this is only game one of a seven-game series. Like, well, hold on. Their team doctor says, you know, well, let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. Like, how do you, if, you're, if you're in Donovan Mitchell's camp, or you're Donovan Mitchell, are you okay with that? Like, are you... Like, are you frustrated, but at the same time, you understand where they're coming from? Or is that just kind of piss you off? You're frustrated, but if you win the series in five or six games, you don't, you forget about it really quickly, too. But I think part of it is they're like, oh, we can, we could take out Memphis. It's fine. We can go one more game without Mitchell, make sure he's 100% for the whole playoff run. Then they lose game one. It's like, well, then the frustration comes out a little bit. That So I think it's going to be fine. I mean, Don Mitchell's, that extra game's not going to, if they lose this series, I don't think it's going to be because Don Mitchell sat game one because you still have, it's tied one to one now, as you mentioned. You got f- six, five more games to figure it out. You, if you lose it, it's not going to be because game one, Donovan Mitchell sat. That that's not going to be the case. It's going to be because Memphis brought something that you weren't ready for, basically, or you were dependent too much on the three ball, like you've been all season, and you went super dry for like four, four more games. So, I don't think it's gonna. It'll be fine. It'll blow over soon. It's more. I think it's more frustration from losing game one and not being able to play when you felt great. But it's better safe than sorry, honestly, especially with your guy and. When you're the ones who playing the eighth seed, no matter what you say, it's in the back of your head like, oh, we'll be fine. I mean, even if we somehow drop this game, we'll come back, but we're not going to drop this game. Oh, we dropped this game. Oh, John Moran's a problem. Oh, okay. But we have, we have Don Mitchell. So it works out. As long as Don Mitchell doesn't get hurt again, then I think it's fine, basically. Because if he would have got hurt in game one coming back that early, that would have been a much bigger deal than losing game one because Mitchell didn't play and then winning the rest of the way, if that makes sense. I think the juice is worth the squeeze to have had him sit one game. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like, I don't want to, I don't know, I don't want to the KD situation where he, 
he blows out his Achilles coming back a little too soon where even the team doctor was like, ah, I mean, yeah, he can play, but is it a smart decision? Probably not. And KD being, you know, and his team are like, yeah, well, I'm ready to go because he's a competitor. That's just who he is. I'm not saying any no other player is a competitor. Donovan Mitchell's not. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's a competitor. He definitely wanted to be out there, but at the same time, you know, it's it's one of those things. Like sometimes you do have to listen to a doctor when they're like, "Look, just just take the game off, relax." Because ninety eight percent to a hundred percent, that two percent is so much room for injury, as we've seen so many times with major players in the in the league all, all the time, all the all the time. So that is something to be considered of. Um, and I do just want to kind of mention this Trailblazers Nuggets series because we we talked about it in passing. We didn't really dig into it too much. This this game, I mean, this series with if Jamal Murray's in this series, do you think this is a walk away for the Nuggets, or do you think this is still a very competitive series, just like we're seeing right now? I think it's pretty similar. I mean, Jamal Murray is not having a great season by any means either. Too like he had been struggling a lot before the injury, and with him going down, Michael Porter Jr. has stepped up and showed up and showed out. If Jamal Murray doesn't go down. I don't know if Michael Porter is able to be in that position to show up and show out. And he's been, my goodness, he's been an X factor for him this series. I mean, game one, he shot like, what was it? Two of nine from three or something like that. Two of 10, but still got you almost 30 in game two. He's able to hit his three and good luck everybody else. So six and one at half a dozen. The other, I think this is a seven game potential series either way, maybe six, depending on if one of the teams gets hot, gets more hot. But I don't think Jamal Murray would have made, he's obviously a really good player and would have made some difference. But I don't know if him him being in the lineup is going to offset what you would lose with what Michael Porter Jr. has been able to do. Because I don't know if MPJ is going to be able to take that next step. Because since the injury, he's been a stud. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I, I do agree. I think Jamal Murray, he while he could have made an offensive difference defensively, he's still that still a little bit of a liability. Health. I, I mean, dealing with Dame, I don't think he can. Dealing with CJ, I don't think he can. Those two just are so dynamic. It's it's tough to deal with them. Uh, but so moving on just just for a second, I do want to get your quick opinion. Out of the what is it? One, two, three, four games that are two nothing right now, are any of them gonna be sweeps? What are your what are your thoughts if any of them are gonna end up with sweeps? So the four series that are now two to nothing, that's tough. I don't think the Bucks and the Heat is gonna be. I I can't see the Heat getting swept. I just can't see it. The Sixers and the Wizards, most likely, especially if Westbrook's injury is pretty serious, but if it, his injury isn't serious, it'll be a gentleman sweep. I can see it going five, maybe, but most likely the six, the Celtics and the Nets. I don't want to say it's a sweep, but it's a sweep, basically. I just, I <laughs> maybe Jason Tatum gives you sixty-one night, and, and Kevin Durant goes like four of twenty-five or something like that, maybe. But I don't think they have the five. No matter how good of a coach Brad Stevens is, I don't think he can coach his way out of this one. Honestly, I just can't see it. And then the Mavericks and the Clippers, I can't see the Clippers getting swept. I think the series might all be all but over at this point with letting the Mavericks go up two nothing on you in your in Staples Center, but I don't think it's a sweep. I think Kawhi and Paul George will get they'll get you one. They played well enough to get you game two. The problem is Luca and the Mavericks just played a little bit better, and there's a better chance of Kawhi and Paul George going off again than the Mavericks shooting fifty percent from three again, fifty five percent from three again. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty much in, in agreement with you. I think this Clippers this Clippers Mavericks series because the Mavericks took them in Staples, I think could end up a sweep just because it, it, they took them in Staples. Going and playing in Dallas is never easy, um, especially when Luka's playing the way Luka is. The biggest thing is, though, can Luka not get that next technical that gets him suspended? Because if he gets that next technical that gets him suspended, then the Mavericks will take a game. But to be honest, I wouldn't blame Rick Carlisle if he goes out and says, 
hey, Luca, maybe cough, cough, wink, wink. We don't need you tomorrow. You know, do the LeBron technical, or not LeBron, uh, oh, who did it three years ago? They were on the they're on the verge of getting the tech, and they were winning in the finals, and they or the conference finals, and they just was it Draymond that had himself suspended for a game in in the in the in the Western Conference Finals intentionally? Like he intentionally took a a technical foul for that. Not ringing a bell. That's not clicking for me. Uh, I mean, some, maybe I'm thinking. Yeah, it's it, anyways. It's it. It was some plan that somebody had. It was that it would work. That way they don't miss the, a finals game by potentially getting a technical foul, which is that weird new technical rule. Um, but yeah, that, that's the only consideration I have that the Mavericks wouldn't sweep. Uh, and then also, uh, yeah, the Nets, Nets Celtics one, that's a sweep. Uh, uh, the Nets would have to three three superstars would have to not play, and you'd have to get sixty one points still out of Jason Tatum. I think it's Frank on fifty percent shooting too. You yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't shoot sixty shots to get sixty points. Exactly. So yeah, that's uh, that's just how bad that is. The other two I, I do think are competitive. Um, I don't think end uh, in sweeps, maybe gentlemen sweeps, but I, I even that I still think go they both go six games. Um, just I don't know. Do you think the Wizards I, could pull up the six. Yeah, I think they could. I think at home, I think Bradley Bill at home is a different animal than Bradley Bill away. Um, and Russ, I don't think Russ is going to be out for two games. I think it would just be one, no matter how bad the injury is, unless he straight up it cannot walk on the leg or arm. You know, I don't think he misses that much time and and uh you know he's a little fired up about some incidents that happened in philadelphia and russ fired up is is a russ that's good for your offense and bad for the other team so um we'll get to that one here shortly but yeah i don't i i think they can pull at least one back possibly two so but moving on guys we are in crunch time it is the final segment and this is the time we get to talk about whatever we want to talk about sports wise you can give our rants, we can give our reviews, we can give our recaps, we can give just what we liked. Uh, but DJ, I hear you have a little bit of something, uh, you got a little itch you need to scratch with, uh, with get something off your chest. So what you got What you got planned? So this is going to be quick, it's going to be painless, I'm going to rip the band-aid off and throw it, in the, throw it on the ground basically. But there's a whole wide world of sports, there's so much room for all of us. There's, it's always encompassing, even rivalries they are able to tolerate each other as like sports fans, they don't, they agree with disagree with sports, but they, there's a certain level of respect here and there for the most part. But where there is none is when it comes to plagiarism, especially on social media where we are all connected and we all have wonderful thoughts. We all have similar thoughts. You and I think the same thing all the damn time. And it sometimes gets frustrating because I say something and then you say the exact same thing two seconds later. And I'm like, I told you that already. But you were thinking the same thing. You were just ignoring me because we had the same thought. It's really simple. If you want to tweet it, that you tweet, that's great. But to copy someone else's tweet verbatim, take it and reuse it as your own, and then gain followers off of it, 2AT, it's absolutely blasphemous that we are still having this conversation, especially when it can't get traced back easily. And it's even worse when the person copywriting the tweet has a buttload more followers than somebody else, like someone with a couple thousand followers tweets something really cool, then someone with 60, 70, 80,000 retweets it basically and then blocks the other person. Because they're going to get all the cred for it and no one's really... Most people don't click into the comments, read through, and find, oh, this was plagiarized. They don't fact check that far back. They're scrolling through Twitter like, oh, this is great. Like, sub, or like, follow. It's really quick and simple. And yet, we can't seem to just all get along. Just literally put, or stealing pictures as well off of Twitter. That kind of goes along the same way as it. Someone tweets something cool, you can't just retweet and be like, wow, this is great. You're supposed, you got to give like photo credit or something. It's, it's really simple. There's a wide world of sports fans on Twitter, social media in general. 
All you have to do is give credit where it's due and be original. Yeah, we still have this issue across multiple cities, sports Twitters. I've scrolled across in the last two weeks. It's like, oh, okay, well, this one's having some issues. I'm going to go jump into a different little rabbit hole of sports Twitter. Oh, wait, they're having the same issue, too, of a larger conglomerate stealing tw- tweets and other ideas from other people. Oh, good. And then they're stealing those. Great. It's all over the place. It's We're in a global pandemic right now, but this is a sports global pandemic that needs to be trimmed away. And honestly, if you have that many followers, you don't need to be stealing other people's stuff. Clearly, you've either done just enough to get those followers to do what you're doing, or you got there by stealing other people's ish, and you need, to get, you need to get thrown off the balcony, basically. You need to get uninvited and sent it, basically sent into the gulag with the person who thought of the original tweet, and you guys can settle it there. And I don't think the person who's stealing tweets is going to like that because anyone who steals tweets is not surviving the gulag. Yeah. You know that as well as anyone is the Call of Duty guy here. So yeah. that is where I'm looking at. Social media plagiarism has to stop in the sports world. We got We argue enough as it is. Let's keep it to arguing about teams, not arguing about stuff like this that could be legally binding if it was in a more professional sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what? My, my comment towards people who still saw the post. First of all, there's a, there's a retweet and a quote tweet button on Twitter for a reason. It's to give credit to the original poster. Use them. It's that simple. But also, they're the same type of people that put raisins in their coleslaw and bring it to a cookout. Oh, not the potato salad raisins. Not Don't those. be that guy. Don't be that don't, guy. Don't do that. You know what? You're, this is why you don't get invited to the cookout. You steal people's tweets. You put raisins in your potato salad. You, you're not accepted. You, we're not inviting. They're not. You're not getting invited to the cookout this time. Sorry, go home. Uh, that's that's my commentary towards that. And and you're right. It is. It's not just one one sports world. It is all of them. It is whether it's soccer, it's it's NFL football, it's college football, it's insert here sport WNBA. Even I see it all the time in WNBA too, especially like because it's a Doggy dog world in WNBA. It's kind of like the Wild West of Twitter right now, where bigger, bigger hosts get a lot more vision on them, but the younger people, like the the smaller accounts, trying to tweet out stuff about NBA, doesn't get as much vision on them, and and the bigger accounts will easily steal their stuff. So, I'm in 100 percent agreement with you there. I think that's a it's a very good point. Use your own stuff. All right, now that that's being said, now that we got social media rants out of the way, that's stuff that's not in person. You got some in person beef you would like to settle here really quickly and. I'm going to get my popcorn ready because I feel like you got something, something ready for this one. Well, it's ironic you bring up popcorn uh, because, as I mentioned with the Russell Westbrook incident, he's a little fired up, and rightfully so, let's be honest. If you're, a, if, you're a, if you're an athlete, especially in basketball, you don't ever assume anybody's going to be dropping food or drink on you intentionally. Maybe accidentally if you go over into the, into the stands, like Shaq did many times, ends up in the stands covered in beer, and, you know, that's fine. That's he did that on purpose. I don't care what he says. He jumped in there trying to get a sip of beer on occasion too. Oh, 100%. Yeah, no. But that's accepted. That's accepted as an ath- for athletes. They accept that that's a potential part of it. But to be walking injured into the back room, into, into get in the training area, and just have some fan for the other team pour something on you is egregious. And, yeah, I get, like, it's not as bad as we've ever seen from other things. You talk about Philadelphia especially, and ironic this happens in Philadelphia – you talk about Santa Claus, you talk about the snowballs, you talk about everything else that Philadelphia fans have ever done to opposing team. And there's a lot out there. This is still one that I'm just like, this is just embarrassing. And, you know, you look at LeBron's tweets afterwards where he's talking like, you know, we need this for the safety of our players. Here's the problem, fans. If you're, if you're going to be this type of guy to do this, you're going to end up making the stadiums, making the NBA arenas essentially look like a giant cage match between two teams like they do with Argentinian soccer. If you have never seen an Argentinian soccer stadium, I tweeted out a picture of it when I made this comment. 
And it's quite literally, they have, in Boca Juniors, one of the biggest Argentinian soccer teams in their stadium, they have chain link fence that is 14 to 20 feet high with barbed wire on top of it to keep fans off of the top of the fence and to keep fans from running on the, the stadium to punching referees, to getting involved, to throwing things on the fans, uh, on the players. It, it's just absolutely embarrassing that we as fans can't respect the players enough, can't expect, can't respect each other enough. Cause really this isn't just hurting other uh, players, what the fans are doing. This is hurting all the other fans because eventually there's going to be, again, no fans allowed in stadiums because we can't keep our hands off. We see it in soccer, all the commentary that, that happens in soccer with, with, you know, they, they have this, they have a, a feature that say no to racism thing that they do every, they've done it for quite literally almost 10 years for FIFA has supported say no to racism. And yet it's gotten worse and worse every year. There's been some fan that makes a racist remark to a player on the field. And then it's, it's, it becomes a empty stadium that that team has to play in. So you're not just penalizing athletes, you're penalizing other fans and you're ruining the whole aspect of watching sports in general, watching sports is be fun. You're supposed to be enjoyable. Yeah, sure. It might be heartbreaking at times. It might be frustrating. I imagine Denver fans aren't the biggest fans of Carmelo, but to be insulting a man's wife and children at this point in time, this late in the, in his career, after all of that stuff has happened over a decade ago, be better. Like fans just be better is all I ask. Not only, you know, you talk about social media and, and, and us doing better on a Twitter side of things. I agree wholeheartedly. I also think fans, we need to be better while watching a game. We, at some point in time, it's okay. So you're still frustrated that this player asked out of your, your city. That's Okay. But don't insult a man's wife. Don't insult a man's children. Don't insult a man's family when you're going about this. Or vice versa. You don't see this in the WNBA as much because there's a little bit of respect there. Don't insult a female's family. Don't insult a female's children. Don't insult a female for having a child if they miss games for having a child. Don't do that. That's just not respectable ever. So as fans, we all just need to be better. And don't do stupid things like pour popcorn or pour beer on people or hit them with a water bottle, hit them with a snowball. Don't do that. That's just dumb. You should never do that. But So basically to summarize both of our rants really quickly, don't be stupid. Yeah. Like, it's it's pretty simple at this point. Just don't be stupid. I think that's a good way to summarize both rants if you're just tuning in really late for some reason. don't. It's not The old KISS series, keep it simple, stupid. Don't be stupid, stupid. I don't know what the acronym is for that, but go ahead and take that one. Just a whole bunch of diss just basically just yeah. this yeah that's all <laughs> but but no that's i mean look this that's just a simple roundabout we just got to be better we've got to be better as fans and as people especially who have a tr- have a platform just be better um i feel like that goes for the whole world right now we all just need to be a little better and the whole world will get along but i'm out of my realm there when i talk about the whole world sports i at least understand the world that's a whole nother ball game but, well before we get too philosophical clear that's going to wrap up this episode of the high low sports podcast it's DJ and Kelsey and continue to follow us on Twitter. Follow us here on anchor, Spotify, whatever you're listening to anything, anywhere you need. We're going to be pretty active on color cast coming up as well too. several games come up, including a couple this weekend too. keep an eye out for those. We are in the color cast NBA playoff tournament as well too. So feel free to drop in even just for a few minutes, help us out. See what we can do, expand the network, expand the podcast. Just we appreciate everybody tuning in and there's a lot of fun games coming up and we're going to have a lot of fun calling these games too. Absolutely. We cannot wait for it, guys. And we appreciate you guys, as always, for supporting everything we do. Podcast, ColorCast, YouTube videos. We appreciate you guys supporting all of that and tuning in. And as always, guys, until next time, we'll see you later.
redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents Cool Sheets from AHA to Lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed. Heat-induced insomnia. That was my AHA moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought... How do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to... Anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22.